Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Is this the real life or is this just a fictional reality? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fictional Reality, a podcast series looking at puzzles, mysteries, narratives, storytelling, and how we create imaginary worlds. This is the first episode. Uh, you're about to hear it with uh, the wonderful Zane C. Weber <coughs> from That's Not Canon Productions and Jack Ford Morgan from Half Monster Games, where we go into a nice little discussion about rules, how players, audience members, and uh, people invested in narrative can buy into the world as quickly as possible, how they can learn the rules of the world without feeling labored, and how to make best use of their time. And then we move on into internal consistency. How do we create an immersive narrative, um, like a conspiracy theory or a game or some immersive theater? We end up talking about Harry Potter, Warhammer 40K, um, some examples of this world-building ability. And uh, look, it's a bunch of fun. It's the very first episode, so uh, look, it's a, little, it's a little rough, but it's ready. And I hope you enjoy it. So we're recording now. Excellent. Well, welcome everyone. This is uh, the very first Maiden Voyage episode of Fictional Reality, a podcast about uh, immersive worlds, games, puzzles, and mysteries. Uh, and today I have Zane C. Weber. I'm Zane C. Weber. And Jack Ford Morgan. That's me. Excellent. Uh, and I'm James Elliott. I run the Brisbane Treasure Hunt Society. And uh, yeah, this podcast is just to take a little bit of a closer look at how one might create a fictional reality, uh, what we mean by the term fictional reality as opposed to augmented or virtual, um, and what goes into making uh, experience, uh, mystery-driven experiences, um, so puzzles and games and things like that. So let's go around, just give a brief intro um, of like what you do and who you are, and then we'll jump right in. Okay, start with you, Zane. I am Zane C. Weber. I am a podcast producer Excellent. slash podcaster <laughs> slash editor slash graphic designer slash actor, etc. Just lots of creative things. Um, lots of hats. Lots of hats. Modern re- Renaissance man. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I always feel a little bit disingenuous when people refer to me as a Renaissance man because I... You, you kind of immediately compare yourself to Da Vinci and like, I just yeah. don't feel like I've achieved enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, who knows? Maybe Da Vinci at, um, would have felt the same. Maybe, maybe he did. <laughs> well, maybe I am Da Vinci. Maybe, maybe you are right. Maybe I am the modern day Da Vinci. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I'm just a, a creative, I guess I would yeah. call myself. Yeah. And, um, and you're a good person to talk to about immersive worlds because uh, we're currently in the production of Cluedo. At of the course. Moment. I am 
Colonel Mustard on weekends and some uh, <laughs> some weekday nights. <laughs> and, and he does weekday. kids' parties too, people, if you ever need a Colonel no. Mustard. <laughs> Colonel Mustard is not child-friendly. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's a roving drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a roving drunk. Uh, and he has been known to uh, uh, throw in a couple of off-colour comments every now and then. Oh, dear. It's the 30s, <laughs> so everyone forgives it a little. Yes, uh, thankfully. They have so far. <laughs> um, and Jack... Uh, you run Half Monster Games? Uh, yes, I do, yeah. So I'm a board game um, developer and somewhat a producer, I guess, of different games and stuff like that. Um, and we have a bunch of projects together, including mm. uh, Monster Mega Game at QT and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, That's yeah, right. I'm trying to do like some games with more elements of mystery, I guess. So, yeah, that'll be fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah, your alchemy game um, very much had that. Uh, yeah. we, we experimented, oh, Jack experimented with a game making one where you have to figure out the rules um, as you play it. So oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. about like you got like a candle and you light it and stuff and all this kind of thing. Um, <coughs> yeah. And the, the premise is, ju- is, is straight up. You've, just, you've murdered the Grand Master Alchemist and you're <laughs> trying to make the elixir of life. So there's no mystery there. <laughs> but yeah, how to do it. It was, it was interesting trying to do that because a lot of people, I guess like the expectation with board games and games in general is that like, Bam, like straight up front. You're you gonna get, get given a play. rule set. And people are like, where are the rules? And I'm like, they're in the game. And then people are like, but how do I play? And I'm like, ah. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't cool. want to fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I don't even want to try. Um, yeah, so this brings us to an interesting question. So we were alive in 2019 of all years. Mm. Um, people's time and focus is at a real <laughs> minimum. Like we only get a few seconds of people's attention before they start getting bored um, games are, seem to be more popular than ever, but we have this problem with um, a learning curve. So the more, you, the more rules there are, the more complex the game is, arguably the more fun it can be to play. Um, but how do we get over this, rule, this learning, um, this initial buy-in? Uh, I think Cluedo, the immersive theatre has somewhat solved that puzzle. Um, well, yeah, I think, well, we do it by giving you no answers straight up and but also giving you a lot of dynamic interpersonal relationships. Mm. So you walk into a room and there's a man in a safari hat sitting there and what is he going to do when you go up and say hello? Mm. Um, it's it's a, lo- a little bit kind of like you know the game, Cluedo, but this this the first act is totally different to what the actual game is. Mm. Um, I mean, that I think that that is how you kind of get the audience or you get the the people in in, mm. in in giving them a person to approach to experiment with. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. And then they have this. So the show for anyone who doesn't know is um, the first act is uh, Doctor Black's socialite party. Um, it's full of guests and the, the five zany characters of Cluedo. It's five? Six. 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 Oh. Yeah. Um, six zany characters of Cluedo and you just essentially mingle with them. Um, a whole bunch of scenes play out. Uh, they're not essential to see, but they sort of tell the story. They give away motive, I guess, in some yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we immerse people in the world and then halfway through is when the game begins. So. Yeah, so... The the kind of the characters will interact with each other as well as interacting with the audience a little bit, and it is interesting how 
those two different tracks play out differently every night. Mm. Uh, and then the audience gets to take over in the second act and actually start um, pushing the characters in mm. you using what they've learned in the first yeah. act. Do you guys yeah. like do like a spiel or is it sort of part of the, the ticket buying process that you sort of explain how they should be interacting or is it like completely... There's just a little slip of paper that says, yeah. please don't touch the actors yeah. uh, and welcome to the party. Okay, it, yeah. There's and kind of just the, the, the rules. Sort of yeah. go like, oh, come over here. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. So my opening question is always, yeah. how do you know Dr. Black? Because I'm his friend. Who and are you and why are you here? Yeah, yeah. Nice. and there's yeah. all there's two kind of people: the people who give you a fake name, and the people who go like, "I just got an invite. <laughs> I, so I don't want accounting. you to focus on me anymore. Thank you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. What, what's your approach there, Zane? When you get those people, do you focus on them even harder? Uh, no, I'll usually bring the focus back to me mm, by mm. telling them a story about the Colonel. Yeah. Um, and let them just just to see whether they're into the game, whether mm. they want details for later on, whether yep. they're thinking that far ahead, they just don't want to buy into the the personal interaction with the actors sort of thing. They don't want that uh, audience participation yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Mm, mm. Uh, or whether they are actually just, they were dragged along here and they are just kind of observing. Yeah, it'd be fine. You'd have to yeah. sort of do two offers in a way. Like the first is like role play. Um, the se- um, first is like role play. Um, and then if they don't want that, the second is like clues. Yes. And then yeah, if they don't absolutely. want that, then you're like, okay, we'll just yeah. be chill. Because yeah. later on in the night, just before the the beginning of the second act, a lot of, you, you get the people who are, have bought in and they're like, okay, people know things. Who do I go to to get knowledge? Mm. Um, and then they'll kind of jump on you there. But at the very start, um, it, it's it's very interesting seeing who who each audience member is and what they want. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think I think that is the the joy that the audience gets out of the experience is that you have an actor there specifically catering to your mm. your needs that you yeah. want. Yeah, you know, mm. this is interesting because I guess in immersive theatre and things like that and sort of games that are um, large scale, like you can personally interact and, and gauge that. I guess one of the things about, you know, in terms of fictional realities being the theme um, is that, regardless of whether it's like a game or like a TV show or a piece of theater, interactive or non-interactive, um, you sort of have to explain the world mm. to people and like yeah. how that world works. Mm. And so yep. sometimes that's, you know, it's just like, it's our world, like in a romantic comedy or something. But sometimes like with Game of Thrones, it's like there's magic and ice and all this kind of stuff. And mm. so you'd have to do that with your things as well, James, because they often tend to be overlaid on reality and you you know, Absolutely. Yeah. This is actually um, a sort of a bit of a sticking point that I'm at at the moment with the maps there. Mm. In immersive theatre, you can use narrative and people are sort of already in a mind frame to uh, engage with the narrative. Mm. Uh, whereas the maps, I'm trying to use mar- narrative to tell the story of the world, but when people are given a puzzle, they can barely read. Like they, their focus mm. and excitement is to solve the puzzle. So they don't engage with any written content. Um, so creating world has proved really difficult. Mm. Like I've given people treasure maps and it's been time and time again, there's a page with all the rules and information on it that that they need to know. And I get, they finish the experience and they come back and it's like, what's your feedback? And a lot of the, the constructive criticism is, oh, well you should tell us this and we should know this and this. And I'm going, it's written right there. 
Like, yeah, yeah. here is the thing you're asking for. It's already written. They're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't read it. Um, it's interesting. Hey, yeah. We're encountering a similar thing with the Monster Mega game as well um, in terms of the teaching people the world. The, once they're bought in, um, they're, they're into the game. They really enjoy it. But that it, there's an initial hump. Yeah. The learning curve. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk just a little bit about the Monster Mega game and, and yeah, that, that um, world we've created? Well, yeah, like in, in general, it's, um, it's sort of, it's, it's set on the uni campus and there's, um, the fiction is that um, interdimensional portal technology has been made and so all these different factions are bringing in creatures and stuff to try right. and like capture yeah. the device that's allowing this to happen. Um, and students and everyone are sort of, um, we call them hunters, Again, they're, they're being dragged into this sort of, Way battle for the <laughs> campus and stuff, and um, so like it's an interesting mix of like trying to have a cool narrative and mechanical thing because um, you can go on these monster hunts that James has made, which are like maps that you follow and there's yep. clues, and then yep. at the end of those maps you get a code which allows you to get like a monster, which is a card, which is then on a 3D battle board. And awesome. yeah, when yeah. I explain it to people, it takes me like three minutes, and I yeah. think that's part of the, the trickiness. Is um, yeah. is um. Yeah. What was your original question? I've sort of <laughs> um, rattled off. Was it? Well, we've, we've hit the sort of the problem and the question was uh, yeah, yeah. the buy-in. Um, yes, how, do yeah. we, how do we create a world that people can immediately enter? Yeah, um, because um, I think it's about, it's about putting in people's minds like the idea of like what, what are they going to be doing or what are they going to be watching yeah. and interacting with. So Cluedo, it's like people are immersive Cluedo. You know, it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, so we're going to be characters or something in Cluedo and, you know, it's going to be a mystery and things like that. Um, mm. So I, I don't know, maybe it's about can you boil it down to like a very simple statement? Mm. You know, there is like, also this is what it is. a little bit of like iteration. Like in, in Cluedo, yeah, we, have, we have maybe 10, 15 minutes before Dr. Black gives mm. his opening Mm. Uh, welcoming speech and that's really when you're gauging what the audience is like what they're doing uh, what they kind of want from you and so that is Mm. I guess it's Mm. like when uh, I'm not sure how that would translate to something like the monster mega game but Mm. it's kind of like it's a little it is a little bit like uh, a mini game in Mm. in before Cluedo starts, oh, really? an, an improv game yeah. that okay. you play with the audience going, okay, how much are you buying into that we're in 1936? Mm. And how much do you want to know about me as a character? How much mm. do you just want to have fun playing along or are you in for the mm. game overall? And I bet you'd have some audiences that are super, in, like as a, as a group, are super into the role play aspect. And Absolutely. then other audiences who yeah. are just like, we're just here to solve yeah, the, and I like <laughs> as, as Colonel Mustard. He's he's a drunk. Like that's mm. his thing that he's drunk at the start of the night and he's drunker at the end of the night. Excellent. Um, is there method acting there? Is that well, no, but there <laughs> ah. are definitely on a number of occasions there are groups of guys mm. that will go to the bar, buy me a real drink, mm. come ply me with that while they're questioning me. Awesome. Um, and so that's that's it's, awesome. It's, yeah, it's like <laughs> how, the. Uh, that's how they're playing the game by metagaming that I'm an actor mm. who probably <laughs> isn't drinking alcohol, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but might be a little loose-lipped if I was. Interesting. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think talking something about the monster game is, or the, the monster mega game is mm. that kind of, if there was a couple of steps before you get into the meat mm. that they could engage with, 
in a different way. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah, at the moment, it's sort of generally, there's two options. Either we sort of give them a map and say, it's a treasure map, like go and do yeah. that. Or um, we're sort of trying to do these things every day now where we'll run a game at the board where you can move monsters around and just be okay. like, hello, yeah. would you like to play this giant board game? Mm. Um, Facilitating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess like a lot of TV shows will have like a pilot. So just, just in terms of like how to connect with an audience, I guess, and mm. like that that notion of getting feedback and refining it. Um, yeah, like TV shows have like a, a pilot episode, which mm. then they show to a whole bunch of people and then I imagine like edit it and stuff and so do movies and things like that. Mm. Um, yeah, they get feedback from the audience. Yeah, and then change it and, and go or, or don't go into full production based on that feedback. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And maybe it's kind of like for all of us, we're so used to being able to just put stuff out there. Like with um, the podcast, like you can, I know it's more complicated than just clicking a button, but, you well, know. Um, it is just clicking a few buttons yeah, in, in yeah, a correct sequence. Yeah, and like <laughs> YouTubers and, um, you know, and in a, in a way the Monster Maker game. Um, yeah, I guess like the that sort of wall is going down. Absolutely. But in a way it's sort of like how to, like it's still there. Because yeah. it used to be not only um, in terms of like, audiences and what they like figuring that out but then also the institutions that were sort of gatekeeping yeah the release of content and distribution of content like that is collapsing but you've still got this wall does Mm. that make sense and there's fewer people to help you over that wall in Mm. a way yeah absolutely you have to find your own way over the wall that's right yeah so maybe that's sort of in terms of well vision treasure hunt society is yeah like yeah it's a fascinating time we we uh we're given so we have so much freedom as creators now. The technology is so cheap and accessible, mm, and yeah. our potential to reach people is so wide. Like you know, we can reach literally hundreds of thousands of mm. people. Um, mm. Anyone with a smartphone. That all of these barriers, yeah, that the institutions set up to create a funnel of quality are being destroyed. So we're able to put stuff out there and it's the natural world now that is the barrier. What gets picked up? Yeah, it's like Darwinian now. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit more Well, you're seeing it in video games where they're releasing content that isn't as finished as it would have been 20 years ago and Mm. then polishing it in response to... The, the critique yeah, of the users of the players. A lot of, of people players. hate that. But well, like, it is it is because it's a change. Yeah. In, because you are paying the same amount of money, but you're getting, or I guess you could say that you're arguably getting less for it. I'm not a computer game. I'm just, this is just what I've mm. read. Mm. Um, but I think that's the same. You, you're seeing again that in the kind of Kickstarter mm. uh phenomenon as well is that someone has a concept and they have a prototype Mm. uh and then if they capture someone's imagination then then they can push that further ahead Mm. but again Mm. when you're when you don't manage to hit that sweet spot because Mm. again kickstarter has become an institution Mm. of its own that people are now bypassing because it's too hard to (laughs) Get over that wall. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. There's yeah, so these, you're kind yeah. of doing that just in the public. So mm. it is I, – I, I always say that podcasting is the Wild West because there is no mm. one overseeing what you can and can't do. Yeah, I, I suppose at some yeah. stage that might change. Well, th- more and more people are trying to change it, but I think mm. because podcasting has gone so big so quickly, yeah. I don't think – that they can yeah, uh it's kind of like yeah. the internet itself because it is well yeah that's what i was thinking yeah. everywhere you mm. can't just kind of shut down 
podcast mm. because it's yeah. not just hosted at Apple headquarters. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. yeah. Sorry, James. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, and you you don't need much of a like if you can find you can find a thousand people who are going to listen to you talk about almost anything. Yeah. Um. Now that yeah. we've got that reach there, so you just need to find a small little demo out there, mm. and you can sustain yourself, especially if. Yeah, it's so easy to create. I mean, we're just sitting here talking. It's very low energy expenditure. Yep. Um, mm. and the trick is reaching people who want to hear us talk about fictional realities. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why well, I was just saying that you, you brought in your prototype of, of the first game that you made in, on your podcast, Jack. Mm. Um, and I, so much work has gone into that in comparison to just putting out a podcast. So there is so much extra value in that product on mm. top of what you're already, what you're producing, mm. um, that I think you are re- automatically rewarding yeah. an audience for listening. You know what, James? Maybe like one of the things could be is like presenting the story of, a, of one of the maps that you've got mm. in this format. Mm. And then so like every map like um, ends up with a podcast that's sort of a bit more of like an immersive kind of thing. Does that make sense? Even well, if, you know, it could just be like a, like a monologue from the character or. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that's one of the, um, the reasons I wanted to create a podcast yeah. and specifically titled yeah. fictional reality, Cool. Uh, which is also the name of the YouTube channel that's going to go with it is that, as I was mm. saying to you earlier, Jack, this is going to be a clue library essentially. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we can just talk normally, mm. but then I might just say like, Oh yeah, right. Three eight nine. <laughs> and, uh, ah, three eight nine. Three eight nine. <laughs> That's a great. Red you are listening. For everyone now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's a red herring until I make a puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> now um, that I've called it out as a red herring, they'll ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going to start to get meta, and it's going to go infinite. Um, but yeah, this is a platform to um, not only talk about this stuff. Uh, like in a proper sense, but also to hide narrative and clue and yeah. and create a whole bunch of different characters and episodes yeah. and build a literal fictional reality. Really um, kind yeah, of you're cool. edging into augmented reality. Mm. Yeah. There. Yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. And the more multimedia and multi-platform you can make it, then... Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm really interested in blurring the lines. Like my goal in all of this is to have at least one person at some point in my life mm. give someone the experience of them going... I don't know what is real and what is the fictional part. Like I, mm. I can't tell. It's too it's too intertwined. Is James Wait, what is in? your name? <laughs> <laughs> is James breaking into my house with a clue or is he not? Is it <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he just starts randomly smashing things, it's all for a purpose, okay? Yeah. It's not don't a break- call the police. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not a mental breakdown. Yeah, you could call it that that's the map, don't call the police. <laughs> oh yeah, and the ultimate thing is like at what point do you call the police? It's like <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm on news being taken away behind bars. And yeah. I'm like, it's all part of the game, everyone. Yeah. I'm in jail like the And Joker. then you'd be like, is it part of the game? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and you stage being arrested. Wait, in this front is of the origin TV story cameras? for the Riddler, isn't it? That's oh what's going God. on? Is that that's, what's that, happening? That's James, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> one, one of us is Batman Zane. Oh, it has to I be think, you. I don't know. You've <laughs> got this sweet digs, you know. I'm sure there's a bat cave somewhere. Yeah, this is like a high tech bat cave, man. This it's is cool. all right. I'll take your word for it. I've seen the actual bat cave. <laughs> Renaissance man, Batman. If I pull you out won't say these it, games from the bookcase, one of them will open a panel. It's just right? full of batarangs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this brings us into another nice, interesting area. Mm. So there's augmented reality, virtual mm. reality. 
they're really popular. They're really tech-driven things. Mm. Um, and we're not fooled yet. The, the technology is not at a place that, that, that's fooling us. But something that is, I think, sort of gets a little bit looked over and stands, stands level with these sorts of technology is narrative. Um, and, that, and especially creating a fictional world. Um, what makes a really convincing fictional world, whether it's in a game as a story, uh, it doesn't have to be immersive, but, you know, some people create worlds and no one really gets into them, but then some people create worlds like uh, Game of Thrones, for instance, uh, Lord of mm. the Rings. Harry Potter is a really good example. Mm. Um, mm. I'll yeah. go first in what I think it is, but I'd be interested to see what both of you, yeah, what you yeah. think as well. Um, Harry Potter being the example of, a, a brilliant fictional world, I think it's something that hides in plain sight and that all you have to do is say, well, it's right there, it is real, but it's hidden for these reasons. And if you know what they are, um, you know, in Harry Potter, it's like, well, all the magical buildings have charms on them so that you can't see them. And then all of a sudden there's this, oh, that's why I can't see it. Um, you know, it's Maybe not- I am a wizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly... Tens of oh, millions of children around the world are waiting for an owl to deliver them a letter. Aww. Thanks, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Still waiting. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I, I think I think that's definitely true. That kind of uh, retroactive uh, explanation of phenomena. So, mm. like, I was just thinking about this today. I'm not sure what brought it on, but the the sort of dichotomy we have between magic and technology and as technology gets stronger, magic kind of drifts off into the background. Mm. And so the the magic realists kind of explain that like that as technology grows in power, fewer and fewer people believe in magic and magic relies on that belief or mm. technology uses iron and so that is that repels fairy magic or whatever. And so that mm. that kind of idea kind of explains a phenomenon mm. of a very human phenomenon of belief in what we do and don't believe in. Yeah. Mm. So I think maybe like answering questions that the audience hasn't asked yet mm. so that when they ask the question, they can think back and you have already given them an answer that they didn't know was an answer. Yeah. 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 I think um, that, that, that would be my point, I guess, is like having a strong enough and in a way like vague enough, like yeah. overarching like narrative or like just concept that explains the mundane just automatically. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah. yeah like what the things that I find really immersive are where, um, you, you know, yeah. Like if you're like, um, why wouldn't I know about wizards? Oh, because blah, blah, blah. Stuff like that. So, yeah, I guess that, that, would, that would be my mm. real push there is that, yeah, if all the little details are taken care of. So, mm. like in Game of Thrones, like the way that the, the Meisters work. Like yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah. They're not wizards, but they sort of are, but they're a bit like alchemists. But, you know, um, but, you know, yeah, just they live in a tower and they're caught. It. It's not always specifically written what how it all works mm. but you can just extrapolate so easily but there's a the primary concept yeah, yeah is just really strong yeah yeah and the, now that i'm thinking of it conspiracy theories do exactly this as well yes, yes. they Absolutely. are fictional realities yeah and religions <laughs> well i will say that there, there is a podcast that uh it looks at the Harry Potter texts yeah. in the context of a religious text so they, mm. they say what can we learn about uh, loneliness if we look at that, 
this chapter of this Harry Potter book, what can we learn about? Uh-huh. In, and one of one of the hosts is a pastor, and one is just a. a, a Harry Potter fan. Mm. Um, well, well, they're both Harry Potter fans, but is it but called it is heretical kind of, Harry? Because uh, I, I think it, <laughs> no, I, I can't remember what it's called. We we just profiled it on oh, on cool. Castology. Mm. Um, awesome. Yeah, but de- I'll look it up and I'll send it through. Harry. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Because that's the thing. thing? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're hidden. When it was first suggested, I was like, "Oh, is, is that sacrilegious?" Yeah, uh, but they they do treat it. Yeah, kind of above board. And, what, one interesting yeah. thing, like because you were talking about, um, like realistic alternate things. Um, mm-hmm. like do you guys know Warhammer Forty K? Mm-hmm. Like that that has like books and books and like all this crazy stuff, and there's thirty years worth of content in multiple different forms and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But that yeah. is in no way realistic. No, but no, um, no one's treating that like a fictional reality. That's like, yeah, but like in a way, like there's so, so the density of content is just so mm. much that it's very easy to learn the rules of how it works. Right, if that makes sense. Like I had no interest. In, well. You know, not not a lot of interest in playing the game, mm. um, but I have a fifteen month old son, and sometimes <laughs> I'd be up at three a.m. feeding him. So I just put on these like you know twenty minute lore videos about yeah, what yeah. he, you know, because I was like, ah, it's interesting. It's getting my brain ticking along. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I'm just at this point just so immersed in the lore of it because mm. um, you know if if I'm like, oh, I don't really know how this would work. I guess like yeah. Um, so I guess you can if extrapolate it's internally and, consistent. So I think so, yeah. And the inconsistencies, and yeah. here's the key thing, the inconsistencies are explained yeah. by, you know, the overall thing, mm. if that makes sense. Or, that, or they can be explained yeah, yeah. dig deeper. Yeah, so yeah, and, yeah. yeah, in a way, like, fictional realities uh, do match very well to other systems of sort of belief mm. and encouraging belief is you're like, oh, well, that doesn't make sense, but it's because mystery or because, you know, it's a creator <laughs> wants it that way, yeah. stuff mm. like that. Well, that, that's really interesting. Two really interesting examples. One is this Warhammer 40K that's this entire universe, self-contained. Mm. Um, and then the Harry Potter universe, which is a similar thing, but mm. is this like, it could be real, almost element to it, conspiracy yeah. theory. Yeah, well, I mean, Harry Potter is at least nominally set in the inverted commas real world, mm. but mm. just to the side of it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And there's a portal there yeah. and a train station apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But like what would... What I see to be jumping that from like a self-contained universe into a fictional reality would be a portal into this 40K world. Like, why mm. do we play this game? Well, this is the game, you know, some, I don't know much about the lore of the world, but mm. a magician, you know, mm-hmm. creates something, an idea in someone's head in another dimension. And that will be a, a psycho using the warp. Sorry, I'm, it's a psyche using the warp, James. Yep. Obviously, Jeez, Jen. Oh my god! <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, be, yeah. Right, yeah, and then so what I would love about that mm. about creating this fictional reality of that is, oh, the game exists mm. as a function of that universe, and some yeah. wizard in the forty k universe yeah. has put the idea of four Warhammer forty k into a game designer's head, and then they've started making this thing. Oh yeah, so yeah, the games yeah. and and stuff are like. Yeah, like a message about the future coming back and just like 
totally misinterpreted. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, brilliant idea. I'll make a game out of it and glorify it. But the, yeah, in the future, they're like, no, it's a warning. <laughs> <laughs> what have we done? Yeah, yeah. like J.K. Rowling. Yeah. <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's actually just seen know. the future of Voldemort rising and uh. stuff. And she's like, this is a great story. <laughs> and as it's, that's the perfect self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. that's you, James. I am a time traveler after all. I Yeah, I believe this. No one believes me, but... Uh, Oh, well, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, that's sure. <laughs> I'll believe you. Yeah. Thank you. Did you memorize any lottery numbers before you came back? Trivial. Three, six, um, five. For you, maybe. <laughs> what about for me? What, what were those <laughs> numbers we said time. before? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They're important. Yeah. Rewind, listener. Yeah. Um, well, look, that's, um, that's really great. I think we, we actually just started this podcast as a... As a <laughs> test for Jack to um, to get his head around some of the tech for drunk game design. Which so I, I was meant to not press a little red button, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was an experience just for us. Yay. <laughs> um, no, I did, don't worry. <laughs> I, see Zane I can't looking see. A bit no, no, no. no. I, was, I was just watching my own levels. Yeah. I'm just seeing how loud I am. Okay. <laughs> um, but that's great. We might wrap it up there um, cool. before we go too far down the rabbit hole and never emerge. I have some sort of psychotic breakdown. Also, yeah. my goal. Great. <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you, Zane, and thank you, Jack. Thank you, James. Um, this has been a great, uh, a great first episode. So subscribe, like, uh, and thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> and remember those numbers. Mm, I'll come in. Andy later.